I'm really honored uh, and blessed this morning uh, to be able to have a friend of ours who um, uh, has brought life to our church, has brought meaning to our church, brought encouragement to our church, and uh, he's a faithful follower of Jesus. Uh, Todd McDowell is the executive director of, uh, he is the executive director of Caleb Global, which is a ministry that is seeking to express and to help ignite revival, first and foremost in Israel, but then also in the Middle East and around the world. And so uh, I'm so grateful for uh, his leadership in that. We've experienced such uh, faithfulness of God through him and his goodness and his encouragements to us. And so, um, Todd, will you guys help me welcome Todd McDowell? Good morning. Wow, it's such an honor to be with you guys today. And um, first, I just want to, I just am grateful for coming to a church that's led by such awesome pastors. Keith and Megan are amazing. And I was just reflecting on their faithfulness and consistency. And, you know, the greatest legacy we have is our children as parents. And, and I just... Your, your legacy is amazing. <laughs> and I don't know your kids well, but I just see from a distance and see, um, yeah, that's many leaders, you know, love the social, you know, reputation they have of what they present to the world. But really, you know, our main responsibility is to love our wives, our children and our neighbors as ourselves. And, and I, you do that well. It's such an honor to be here. Um, and then, you know, just seeing Ben and Emily, I was kind of shocked without all the kids there, but I so miss your family. I mean, Rachel and I were with them for a couple weeks with all their kids and just enmeshed. And afterwards, I was crying thinking about your kids, how much uh, I love them, and, and it, it's so special. Um, and actually, just speaking of Israel, I was, just came back a couple days ago from Israel, but I was this morning conversing with an Orthodox Jewish friend that I'm developing relationship with. I went to his house for the first time. He came and spoke to our tour, and he's not yet a believer in Jesus, but he, he's the only Orthodox Jew that writes for Charisma Magazine podcast. And he has this heart to connect to Christians, but this morning he sent me this message about this Isaiah 62 fast that's going on that Mike Bickle in Kansas City is called for a 21-day fasting and prayer for Israel starting this Sunday night through the 28th of May. And I'm going to join. I'm a little nervous because I haven't done an extended fast with no food for a while. So I'm like, ah, help. But I told this Orthodox Jew about it. And I said, there's going to be millions of people praying for Israel. It's going to be amazing. I mean, literally 5 to 10 million Christians are going to pray for 21 days for Israel. And then on May 28th, over 100 million Christians. There's all these prayer networks committing to pray. So I told him he got all excited when I was at his house like uh, 10 days ago. But this morning he goes, hey, that someone, one of his Jewish Orthodox friends sent him a note about that uh, was from the website, IHOP's website about this fasting prayer. And it's all about praying for their salvation, you know. <laughs> And he goes, this could be problematic for my community. And he'd already 
been interviewed by Charisma about this fasting because I told him, he said, that's so amazing. I wish I could thank Mike Bickle in person and all this. And then this morning he's like, Todd, looks like all they're doing is targeting us to get saved and they don't care about us and care about what we're going through now. And like no relation, no personal connection. So this morning I was like, oh, I tried to write this message to him that was like, I'm a, I believe Jesus is the Messiah for you and for us, you know, like as a Christian, like I, I'm not compromising on that, but I love you personally and I want to pray for your family and for your, like I want to bless Israel, like I don't just want them to pray a prayer, I want them to be loved and pray the prayer and, and them to be blessed and, and unconditional, like if you never choose to pray that prayer, I will still love you unconditionally and so that was pretty stressful this morning like ah because I thought things were progressing and he's very influential in the government he writes for all the um the news agencies in Israel and I just I really have a heart for his family for them to get saved (laughs) but to love them well so anyway just a little bit update on um what was going on in my heart and this reason I go to Israel is to live out the gospel, to love generously. And it made me think about some Christians who just feel like this obligation to try to sell Jesus and use whatever means to try to get a sale when we're really called to receive love and give love. And the gospel is all about goodness and God's grace and his love. And the prayer of salvation comes when the Holy Spirit convicts of righteousness, sin, and judgment. I love Billy Graham said, he said, I'm not the great evangelist. He said, the Holy Spirit's the evangelist. I just bring the gospel, which is good news. And so it was just sharpening this morning. Like, Todd, you need to love generously, but you also need to not compromise that Jesus is the Savior, the Messiah for everyone. So, well, this morning, I... I also, I've heard some amazing testimonies of this series. How many of you have enjoyed just all the freedom we have in Christ and who we are in Christ? Yeah? I'm glad, Keith, you've enjoyed it. That's so good. (laughs) Um, You know, he was forgiven much, loves much. Like he was, no, no, it's kidding. You know, we, back, basically this full, full confession, the messages that preachers preach with the most anointing are the ones we need the most. And I've learned that. And, and really, that's the authority we have to give, is that we really are living it and needing it ourselves. Um, but also, Gigi, you know, she's the one that gives me secret information of what's going on here. But also, she's an amazing teacher herself. How many of you appreciate her? That's so good. We're all a part of family, and I love the way Keith said that, that this is a community, this is a family. And I'm grateful for my family uh, I just got home with my wife and I haven't been together for a little bit, and I just was so blessed. And I realized my identity even is incomplete without my wife and without my family. And I was one of some of my Jewish friends were challenging me, and I was like, What? Is that really true? They're saying, You in the West are so individual focused in your identity. And I'm, I'm like, whoa, yeah, because we all need to discover our own identity so we can live. And that's what I'm going to preach on today. 
But this, they said, did you know the word that Jesus uses and that Paul uses for like, you are the light of the world. You are the righteousness of God. You are the body. You are the, all the word you never is singular. It's, we get it in the South. It's all y'all. <laughs> That's the word you. It's plural. So you're not complete. You can't fully live in your identity and express who God made you to be by yourself. We have to walk in community to be able to really express who we are in God because we need each other to fully express who we are in God. You are not just you yourself and you, me, myself, and I. That's not biblical Christianity. Jesus said, I won't even come. He said, where two or three of you are gathered, there I'll be in your midst. And I was thinking about that. I was reading through the, the Old Testament in the beginning and, and talking about going to court and you needed two or three witnesses for someone to be uh, judged. But I thought, that's the opposite of that is to confirm Something, you need two or three witnesses in a positive light where we can't fully express and, and represent Jesus alone. People need to see him from two or three people. That's, the, the, that's like the 101 of witnessing, to be a witness. And so I just want to encourage you, we need each other. And to walk out your destiny, your identity, your calling and your destiny, which I'm going to talk about today, you need others. And me coming home with my wife, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm such a better person because with my wife, because <laughs> she just fits with me. Like my weaknesses are a lot of her strengths. And when we walk together, there's so much more strength. And my kids have all left. I'm like empty nesting and it's lonely and scary and insecure like who am I now and I just found out by the way a few weeks ago I'm gonna be a grandpa in October so that's another identity I'm like really am I and then but I found my kids are out of the house but I so miss them and I'm so like I feel like they I'm incomplete without them and um, so I just want to encourage you this is not in my notes today you need each other and you need to be in community. And that's why I love what you just said earlier, that we are family and we're walking together and you have a home. And really, that's not just some nice words. That is reality. It's essential. It's not an option. It's not, well, if I have time, I'll, I'll try to connect to the church. I'll try to connect to people. No, you have to do that to be able to walk in strength. Amen. That was just because of Keith. It's amazing. Well, this morning, I, I want to follow up on the freedom in Christ, who we are as sons and daughters, that our identity leads us somewhere. And so this week and next week, I'm going to be talking about this. And this week is identity in motion, how it moves us towards our calling and our destiny. And next week, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to develop it further, talking about our family business. That we have a family business. So are we sons and daughters? We have a dad. 
And just like in Jesus' day, whatever your dad does is what you do. <laughs> and our dad has a business, and we're a part of it. And I just go back to the verse that brought me salvation was God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That as sons and daughters, we are so loved. But our calling is to give what he gives us. And you, don't, you can't know what you're called to do until you know who you're called to be. And I'm gonna just go into that just for a moment. This might be review from the last few weeks, but there's actually, and some of you have heard this, there's actually a rabbi in the second century, Akiva, who is walking along and he was doing this daily prayers and he was walking along actually in the North Galilee um, near Capernaum and he's walking along reading the Psalms and doing his evening prayers and he lost track of his direction and went the wrong way in the, when the road forked. He went, instead of going down to Capernaum, he went towards the Roman garrison the, where all the soldiers were. And he's walking and he doesn't notice that he's walking up to the gates of this you know, army base fort. And he, soldiers to the side yell out, who are you and why are you here? And he's startled and looked at him and, and like a good rabbi, he didn't answer the question. He answered the question with a question. And he said, who pays you to stand here on the side of the road and ask those questions? And what do they pay you? And they said, well, we get paid four uh, shekels a day. And he said, I will pay you eight shekels a day. You come to my house, stand out in front of my door. And every time I come home and every time I leave, you ask me those questions. Who are you? And why are you here? Who are you? Really, I'm asking you. And why are you here? Mark Twain said the two greatest days of every person's life is the day they were born and the day they found out why. Too many of us, on a very personal level, define ourselves by all the external circumstances and by what we do. And we can hear messages about who we are in Jesus and the freedom we have in Christ. And when we go home, we look ourselves in the mirror. If we don't tell ourselves that's who we are, then we will let the world and circumstance tell us who we are. And who you believe about yourself is how you will live your life. The most important thing that psychologists say is self-talk. I've had, you can get people to pray for you, you can listen to messages, you can cry and get prophetic words. But at the end of the day, when you look in the mirror, who you think you are, that's how you're gonna live. So that's a good question. Who are you? And why are you here? And I'm 
I have a question. Do you let circumstances define you? You know, some of us, it depends on, you know, we look at social, you know, size each other up or we size ourselves up. How, what social class was I in? What economic, what, you know, skills do I have? What gifts do I have? How did I do in school, sports? You know, we either use negative circumstances to define us. Man, I was, you know, abused. I was, I'm a victim. I'm recovering. I'm this, a brokenness. My parents divorced, this, this, this. Or positive. Man, I got straight A's. I was captain of the football team. I did this. I did that. I made this money. I did this. I got this degree. If that's your identity, that's so shaky. We cannot let circumstances, education, social, like if that's our identity, it's all about what you do. That is empty. And it's so, it's a burden because you have to keep performing. Or it's a huge stumbling block. And I just want to make this personal I kick this rug or something. I, you know, I was born into a family that were poor. My parents, you know, see the Jesus Revolution movie? My parents were on the other side of the tracks during that time. They were hippies. They dropped out of college and they lived in a shack. They had to dig a hole in the ground for a toilet, an outhouse. My dad straightened nails out from a barn that was torn down to build a little square house for us. I took an hour and a half to get to school and grade school on a bus. We lived way out in the boonies. At eight years old, my dad gave me a joint, marijuana, with all his buddies. And that was kind of like my bar mitzvah. I thought, wow, I'm a man smoking a joint with my dad and had no intimacy with him or my parents were divorced before I could remember and I did terrible at school. I was really angry. I'd skip school. My parents wouldn't know I was skipping school. I stole all the money out of my mom's purse one time. She had different guys over. My dad had different women over. And I just, I was insecure, angry, depressed. I was suicidal, throwing rocks at police cars and just had a police record, stealing so many things. Police record at eight years old. Like, if I got my identity based on my circumstance and even my family, the, the circumstance of my family, I would not be here today. I have two brothers and two sisters. There's one mom and we have, and there's four different fathers. My siblings. I'm not talking theory this morning. Not some pastor's kid saying, you all should just go to church more and be better Christians. I'm a broken, hippie kid, insecure, depressed, lonely, isolated, who found Jesus and found a good father who loves me unconditionally. And I've gotten my identity as a son of that good father. And I 
had problems when I got married. I thought I was finally was mature as a, and then I got married. Anybody else <laughs> thought you were doing well until you got married? And then I'm like, I mean, I'm full disclosure. I don't know if I've ever shared this in a church, but you know, it was crazy how all my buttons that made me upset, she like memorized them without knowing. <laughs> and I was just like, you know, within our first year, she's just, you know, and I, it was not her, it was me. I had all these insecurities and, and, <clears throat> you know, just anger. You know, pain brings anger. And I'm so grateful. I've never touched her in, you know, violent way. But one time, I love to hash things out. She loves to just take a couple days to think about it. And I was quoting those scriptures, don't let sun go down in your anger. We're staying up all night until we work this out. And it just didn't work with her. It's not the way she's made. I finally realized, wow, it's much better to wait a couple days because she can understand where her heart is. And she's an internal processor. But that first really let's deal with stuff and it didn't work. You know, and instead of hashing it out, she just walked, went for a walk. I turned and punched a hole in the wall. So I was like, this doesn't work for me. And even as a, so then finally we worked things out and then, I had kids and it got even worse. Anybody else can relate? It was like, they found buttons I never knew that I had. Like, what? I'm that selfish? I want my time and control and my sleep. And, and, I, and I had a lot of anger that came out with my kids. And I remember as all of a sudden I got, you know, grew in Christian leadership and different things. And I was like, I woke up one day thinking, thinking, thanking, thanking God, thinking that, man, this is not good. I have anger. And I realized how selfish I am and how when you are feeling pain and there's anger and selfishness, there's a lot of temptations the enemy will present to you to get false comfort. Anybody, you don't have to raise your hand on that one. But, you know, and I was falling into those and sinning, and confessing, and I got asked to be ordained as a pastor. I remember telling the guy, pastor, main senior pastor, you don't understand, I sin. Like, I, I don't think I'm qualified. And he said, Todd, that's why I want you to be a pastor. You're honest. We all sin. But I felt this crisis of I have to change, because I can't lead anyone where I'm not going. And I was like, God help. And I felt like he said, Todd, you will be transformed if you receive more of my love. And you'll be a good father if you learn how to be a good son. And so this, what he's been preaching on our freedom in Jesus, what he's paid for, all the treasures that he's availed for us through his body and blood, I implore you, receive them. The way you get transformed is by receiving all that he paid for and believing it and letting it define you and owning it. And I, that's how I got transformed. It's this message, who I am in Jesus. I learned to receive and receive and receive and it changed me. It changed me, and, and it's still changing me.
but I just want to encourage you, what all you've been hearing of who you are in Jesus and you're free, that is transformative. Don't just let that go. That was a great series. Let's keep going. Let that become who you are. Man. Wow. Um, so I'm going to jump here. I'm going to jump to Galatians 3.27. And I'm sure this probably is a verse that you've talked about. But it says, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Putting on in that passage means clothing yourself. It says in other translations. So you have your, what, who, the finished work of Jesus on the cross gives you your identity. But there's something about every day you need to put on that identity. I don't understand it, except for Hebrews 10, 14 says, for by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. So this is the reality. He has perfected you by his body and his blood. You are the righteousness of God. Your performance does not make you any more holy in the Father's sight. That's where we get messed up and we get defined by, you know, and I, I had this, like, I had to feel like I had to pay penance every time I would sin to get connected back to the Father. Now I realize, like David and I, in Psalm 51, after he sinned in murder and adultery, he just ran to the Father and said, God, show your love to me, your mercy, your steadfast love, your compassion. Because he knew his status with the Father is not based on his performance, but based on God's performance, based on God's character and not his character. So that we've been perfected for all time. But the rest of that verse says those who are being sanctified. So we're, we're, we're holy, but we're still being made holy in the way we live out the actions that are connected to our identity. So our identity and who our status, our justification with the Father is we're made perfect forever. So that I wake up in the morning and I am a righteous, holy, powerful, loving, pure son of the King. That's who I am. That's my identity. But then, as Jesus said, I choose every morning to deny myself, take up my cross, and follow him. That's me being sanctified. So I don't know what happens while I'm sleeping, but somehow this flesh just creeps around me and I have to wake up and say no to that. To no to selfishness. And yes to following. So do you understand that? Your identity will lead you into your destiny, into your calling, into walking with the Lord. So, um, we're going to jump to Philippians 2.13. I love this. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So God has a destiny for you, a calling for you. He wants to live out his pleasure, his purpose through you. So you have your identity in him, 
But this identity emotion, this morning I want to just highlight this, you need to start living out what he's put in you. And he works in you according to his purpose and his pleasure. So that's what is so important. If you just kind of statically go, okay, this is who I am. This is who I am. I'm going to sit forever. Just, okay, that's who I am. That's who I'm free. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. I've been clothed with him. I'm covered by him. And you never do anything. You're not going to really enjoy and walk in the fullness of who you are. Did you know it's better to give than receive? You're like, well, test, Todd, you know, like, let me get tested in that. <laughs> we could. But the rea- it's true. Life, it, there's no joy. I mean, it's, there's temporary joy of, oh my gosh, I'm blessed. I just received this. But when you give away what you've been given, that's where there's super crazy satisfaction. And it's, it's countercultural. Generosity is why Jesus came to the earth. God loved the world so much, he gave. And so let God work through you. Let's look at um, Ephesians 2.10. So we are his workmanship. He put you together, knitted you in your mother's womb. You are his masterpiece, his poema in the Greek. But what is that for? He's created you. He's knit you together. He, your identity is in him. He made you the way he wants you. You're created in Christ Jesus. So it's in Jesus that you have your identity, your sustenance. But what's it? Why? It's for something. Being created in Christ Jesus for good works. So it's not your works define who you are. He's created you in him. You're his workmanship, his masterpiece, but it's for good works. And you got to go to Facebook Marketplace. You're like, what do you do to find out what you're supposed to do? It's, you don't have to discover it. You ask him. It's good works that he prepared in advance for you to do. This is exciting. So it's not, we're not blind, obedient robots that just go, tell me what to do. Okay, now what? Now what? Now what? It says in Proverbs, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, to hide a matter, but it's the glory of kings to search it out. So life is a great adventure of discovery, of walking out, the good works that he's prepared in advance for us to do, of letting his will and his pleasure, his purpose be manifest through our lives. And the way we do that is knowing who we are. So I just want to encourage you. I'm going to give you an example. So I have prayed about who I am based on God's words to me. And I think Keith even had everyone confess who God says you are. Did you do that? Declaring scripture. So I've looked at the scriptures that really God has spoken to me, Todd, that's who you are. And then I've said, okay, if that's who I am, God, what am I called to do? What, how did you fashion me? What is my particular you know, workmanship you've done? And, and what are the good works you've created for me? And there's seasons where we walk in different 
practical applications of those, but the core remains. So I'm going to tell you a statement that I've created from Scripture, from who God says I am, and the confirmation as I've searched out what is my calling and what is my destiny. Can I do that? Because I want to end with this, because I want to encourage you and provoke you to jealousy that you could do this. So this is how you get your identity to activate, is you need to declare and agree with, this is who I am. So this is self-talk. This is your homework, by the way. I challenge you, go home and write down who you are, based on scripture and based on even things God's spoken to you personally, your prophetic words people have given, scriptures that that Keith has taught the last several weeks that just resonated deeply with you. They're the ones you wanted to go home and tell someone about. Write that down. This is who I am. And then what are the passions, gifts? What are the things where you do it, you feel God's pleasure? Write that down. That's your calling. Okay, you ready to hear mine? I'm going to give you an example. And I want you to do something. It doesn't have to be exactly like this, but it's an identity and a mission statement. It's like, this is who I am. This is what I'm called to do. Anybody in business, do you do that? You need to do this for businesses, right? For them to be effective and to be focused and to produce, to multiply. Why don't you need to do it for yourself? So this is in, in my exhortation. So I, Todd, am a beloved son of the king. I walk with God like Enoch walked with God. I'm a worshiping warrior like King David was. I champion my wife to create beauty. That's her calling. I encourage and empower my children to run the race God has marked out for each of them. I am an honoring son to the Abrahams and Sarahs in my life. I'm an encouraging brother to the Isaacs in my life. And I'm a championing and empowering leader to the Jacobs in my life, raising them up and releasing them. I am a spiritual father and a prophetic messenger. I'm called to ignite God's people to know and to love God, to walk in their identity, and to live out their destiny, to bring transformation to every sphere that they're called to by living out and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am a catalyst for unity and for revealing God's heart and purpose for Israel. My assured goal, my aim, my highest purpose that's guaranteed is to become like Jesus. That is who I am. That is what I'm called to. Who are you? And why are you here? Let's stand.
just going to invite, I'm just going to ask Keith to come up and just to pray. Actually, if you would, if you feel comfortable, just to maybe put your hands out, just in an attitude of receiving. Because I think the Lord wants to share that with us. And I, I love that. I think it's always good to have a little bit of homework when we leave to be willing to just engage. That's what all it means is to engage the heart of God. But Lord, we just want to ask you these questions right now. Who do you say we are? Would you just ask him personally? Who am I? I don't want to be defined by anything else. So I'm just going to have a whole minute here of silence and a chance for you just to ask the Lord, would you tell me who I am? you just do this? Would you shut the door to the voice of the enemy telling you who you are? I shut the door. Silence the voice of the enemy that would try to steal my identity. this. Ask him this question. Why am I here? Why am I here, God? Ask him. God, would you release your purposes and your design 
your plans from our identity. Not what am I supposed to go do? Lord, why am I here? From my identity, I get to live. I ask God that you would wash us in fresh understanding. Would you give us more hunger to be what you've created us to be and to do what you've created us to do than we've ever had before simply because we know that we're sons and daughters beyond a shadow of a doubt. Let us walk in the fullness of that. And we lay down everything that would tell us that we can't because we've messed up too much or we're not spiritual enough or all of the lies of the enemy. We cancel those lies and we step into the fullness. Make us and create us in us what you've called us to be. We love you and we trust you. We choose to walk with you. We thank you for this word this morning. Let it resonate deep within us. And I pray that you give us fresh vision for the days ahead. We love you. In a minute, we'll just have some prayer partners. If you feel like maybe you're being blocked from what God has for you, we're gonna have some prayer partners. We'd love to pray with you, connect with your heart, care for you, or anything going on in your world. We like to be a praying church, so we're gonna be here the end of our time. I'm going to pray a benediction or just a blessing as we go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you give a gift, give you peace. In the name of Jesus, the Messiah, our Savior and our King, we pray. Amen.